everyone to Pencils and Lipstick. I'm excited to have Jennifer Hiltz with me on the show. We are going to talk about her nonfiction this time. We might have her back for fiction very soon. Um, but Jennifer, thank you for coming on to talk to me today about tropes. Oh, I'm very yeah. Well, thank you for having me. It's always fun to talk tropes. Yes. I mean, I think you are the most excited person about tropes that I've ever met because some <laughs> of us find it really frustrating, but you break it down. Um, but before we go into that, will you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, your writing life and all that? Sure. Um, I've been writing for a super long time. I started as a kid um, and I always loved language and storytelling. And I did a bunch of different things along the way, but I was always working. Uh, I was always a super big reader, too. And um, I ended up doing degrees in linguistics and English Uh always writing, 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 had family that slowed me down with some things. Um, and then just uh, did a lot of indie publishing for a, a bunch of different genres of romance, but I love fantasy. So um, I kept that stuff out all under um, my own name. And I'm looking forward to get, getting back to that when I wrap up these trope books. Um, other than that, yes, I love to talk tropes. And it's really fun to talk to people other than my poor family who have been <laughs> like, I've ruined any kind of viewing experience for them ever. Yes. Yes, that is so true. My family now like doesn't want to watch movies with me. Because yeah. <laughs> I can't keep my mouth shut. I'm like, of course. Of course it's Iron Man. It has yeah. to be because and they're like Right. Yeah. My husband yeah. once came upstairs. My husband once came upstairs once. He was I'm not a huge um Star Wars person. He was watching one of those offshoot ones. And he comes upstairs and he's like at the end of the whole series, he's like, he leans a good story, he sighs, he goes, Oh. It was all secret baby. That's <laughs> so funny. And he's I was like laughing so laughing. hard. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> it all comes back to that one. Yes. It's funny, though, because we'll get into what that means in case nobody knows. But like, it's funny how simple our minds are and mm -hmm. how complicated we can make a simple idea. Like, yeah. Yes. I think and I that's really fascinating. It is. And I don't know which, you know, genius person says this, but I refer to it a lot of the idea of complex characters, simple plot. Mm -hmm. And I really believe like that's in successful storytelling. You know, it's right. really not these over, even if it's like a thriller and all these kind of things, it's really the complex characters. And there's like plot twists and stuff. But yeah. it's like when you as soon as you like lose your audience, then it's over. You know, they yes. drift off and there's so many other things we can do and yes. things like that. Yes. And what's interesting is a lot of times I think we think it's the plot, you know, mm -hmm. like it needs, right. it needs more, right. which it does need a plot, you know, right. <laughs> there's, right. there's but, two different right. kind of, um, so go ahead. What were you going to say? Um, yes. And I, I think it's just the, the kind of part that when it's done well, it looks so seamless is like, mm. is really linking the plot and the character by, um, the conflict right. that this character driven makes the plot so good. You know, like yes. on things I really like, I'm like, oh, of course, that's why it works, you know. Yeah. But it's like yes. all caught up in watching it. And so then. It, of course. I yeah. mean, and, and we are analyzers of stories more than, more than watching. Yes. But yes. yeah, the, I mean, it, storytelling is complex because there are so many things that go into it. <laughs> right. But <laughs> what I really loved about your books is that it really broke down the idea of tropes because we hear this word thrown yes. around a lot. And yes. I really enjoyed the fact that you were like honest. You were like, I, in the beginning, I was just like, I don't even know. Right. Like, I don't want to touch this because that's how I was. Right. So could you right. break down like what a trope is first for anyone who doesn't know? And, and then we'll get into why it's not just for romance. Yes, of course. Of course. Um, well, for me, I discovered that that a trope at its most like basic form, it is just a storytelling building block. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like, oh, that I should, I don't know why it took me like so long to figure that out, but it did. Um, but it, I think what explains it and what we what gets missed in our like discussion of it is that that's why tropes have been around for so long because it's like a common storytelling block, which is also related to relationships, like. All tropes some way are about relationships, either like a person or a relationship, like a one, you know, kind of like an object or they're in a relationship. And there's so that's what I think makes them so popular, you know, not only for decades, but like centuries, like yeah. going back like fairy tales and stuff like that. Right. 
So I think that a trope is just a storytelling idea that like we can use so that the reader's like, oh, I know what they're talking about. It's not like we need to go into, you know, lose them with all these pages of description right away. We introduce the idea of what the trope is, and then we can take and develop that to how it fits our world and our characters. So they're like, oh, I know she's talking about this, but what about that is interests me is X, Y, Z. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. So why do you think some of us want to avoid like the idea of tropes? Yeah. Um, no, I think that's a really good question. That was in the beginning. I was thinking of that too. Cause I'm like, wait, everybody's so resistant about it, you know? And, and me too. I was like, Oh, I don't. Um, but when I was working with people and helping them plot their stories, it was like how we were talking about it. But then there's all this like pushback of worry, you know, like, but I want to be a, a good writer and a creative writer and tropes are cliches. And I really felt like the more I studied it, that tropes aren't cliches. Cliches are like, an idea like a poorly developed trope or Mm. there's just not enough like you just started with the idea but then you never carried on to make it specific to your world and develop it in details you just kind of dropped it in there and like okay the author I mean the writer or the um the reader or the audience or whoever they'll let we'll let them figure it out and that's how come we get I think cliches whereas if we take the time to like develop that idea and make it really work in our world then it's like oh then that's a character. It's a fully fleshed character that people are can root for or against or, you yeah. know, have a relationship with. I think that's a perfect explanation because when you go into, like, I love how you take movies and you break them down with uh-huh. all the tropes that are in there. <laughs> yeah. Then you, that was what opened my eyes because I was like, oh my gosh, we do this naturally. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So you you might as well just accept it that yeah. it is a building block. It's just right. I mean, especially journey and you yeah. know, yeah. violence and all that. Like right. of course it's gonna be in there. Right. And I think um the I think the thing that's different, it's not that tropes are like new. It's mm. just the way we talk about them is really new. Okay. You know, we weren't doing we weren't having these conversations like five years ago. I think the movie industry's been having them long much longer. Yeah. Um, but like now it's like everywhere. Like I see them in like BuzzFeed articles like, oh, which movies are your favorite enemies to lovers? You know, I just saw right. a, a whole article about that that talked about tropes in like the just regular old, you know, news. And I was like, wow. Like, so we're expecting people to know about this all over. So, of course, writers feel like, oh, my gosh, I don't know about this thing. But I really wanted people to feel like, yeah, you do. You know the thing. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't worry. And just make the thing work for you as opposed to feel like, oh, I have to stick tropes in my story. You probably already have them in there. Just yeah. dig down to make sure that the, you know, reader gets, oh, there's a best friend in here and there's a boy next door or whatever, you know. Right. Right. Idea. And I think maybe it's the social media, like the hashtag, hashtag mm. enemies mm-hmm. to lovers, the hashtag secret baby yeah. or whatever. And so that way you target that reader. Right. So you yeah. have to make right. sure that you're getting the correct reader. That's right. interesting that BuzzFeed would like, of course, yeah. it would be that those writers who are like, right, writers figure this yeah. out. Yeah, I think it's, you know, they're younger. They're very savvy yeah. about like social media stuff. But I just thought that was really interesting. And I've noticed like Netflix now also have will have tropes um, like, yeah. oh, you like these. So you should write and they'll like list some of the tropes kind of down in the corner. And I was like, oh, that's it. You know, it's it's really interesting. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, this... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, but romance writers have been like savvy about tropes for so long because, you know, they'll be like, I love Secret Baby or I love twin stories or, you know, they've been really good about saying what they they have liked and telling us that. And then it's just kind of like the other I feel like the other genres are catching up to that now. Right. And whether they're like just putting a name on that or just accepting what it is. is like Right. Right. Again, it's just a building block. And yeah. I think what's interesting, though, the way that you look at tropes and in order to especially not make them cliches is sometimes people talk about like, oh, I hate Secret Baby. But the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is like Secret Baby is just like the general idea and people can right. twist it. And you yes. might actually like Secret Baby in yeah. many things because yes. it's a new way of doing it. Right. right. Like That's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. I mean, like. um, like, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, yeah, I don't like Secret Baby um, because I think they think of Secret Baby as like 
specifically a very kind of romance cliche, like like from soap operas, if you're old enough to have watched those or like um, different kind of, of those serial things. But I read a lot of mystery, too. And there's always a secret baby in those because it's just but it's just like, oh, they're grown up. But then you find out, oh, this is like so and so's, you know, child that we never knew. They never knew. That is a secret baby trope. I mean, right. It's yes. and, it's almost always as a as a misdirection red herring in mystery. Like I, it's, I hardly ever read a like one that there isn't in there because it's a great way to kind of shift things for the reader and and lead them astray. Yeah, yeah, especially if they if you have a reason. Yeah, <laughs> right. Of oh, course, background why they're having it. Yes, yes. But what I find is interesting is like I'm, I have really thought hard this last year of like what kind of writer I'm because I find uh, plotting very difficult. Um, and I've been studying it. So I don't know about you, but I have I think I come up with the character first and I yes. come up with mm-hmm. a certain scene first of like, ooh, yes. I want this scene in there. Whether yes. it's kind of mm-hmm. how they finally get together or like the conflict, mm-hmm. you know, or the climax. Right. Or whatever. And then I have to build a, a story around it. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, OK, now I have to start the book and I have to figure right. it out. Right. And I have written a couple books in the quote unquote discovery way where you're just mm-hmm. writing in it, you end up tossing a lot because you're yes. really just discovering the plot and right. what can you do and all this. But I've been trying to figure out a way to like plot it. Right. Um, and so when I heard you talk last week, I was like, I need, I need that book because I bet you anything, it will at least get my brain moving in the right direction rather than the frustrated direction of like, but why are they there? <laughs> like, right. I want them here. Well, why? Like, and how can I get them there? Yeah. Um, and so what I love about, especially this first one, so this is the first one, the trope thesaurus. Um, I'm trying to fit it to the camera. That's not right. Um, and so this really is a general idea of how to use tropes and where they are. And it was like a light bulb. And I don't know why you should see all the books. I mean, I have a stack right here on craft. Not to say that you don't need craft because you still have to build your your of course. Um, yeah. your characters. But this book i was like oh secret babies everywhere oh oh look at that's true <laughs> i don't know i don't know why jennifer i do not why. but i don't think that i'm alone so when you're like struggling with plotting and what's mm-hmm. gonna come up i think this is a really nice resource to get to and say okay, I need this person but why would they do it could it be secret baby unrequited mm-hmm. love could it right. be so did did you find that interesting as you were studying this or did you already know this? Oh, no, 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 no. I found it very interesting because I, uh, I I think my process is very similar to yours. I'm mostly interested in character. Mm-hmm. I would always struggle with plot. Um, a lot of times um, I hear dialogue yeah. in my head and it's like, oh, but um, and I always thought, well, I'm just unfortunately like 50 years too late because the playwright business is dead. You know, <laughs> um, so these people like have to be doing things. So then I have to like come up with stuff for them to do. So all this is like, you know, been a really long process for me to figure out. And that and that like, oh, yeah, like tropes can help me with that. Mm, yes, because, yeah, you got to get like I especially with the middle, I find is like. And I think that's for a lot of people, too, like you can start out strong. And but if you just don't have the really good conflict, then it just kind of. Meh, you know, and so I was like, oh, OK, so tropes are a way that can get us through the middle to the end, you know, right. by having all these things. So so no, for me, um, I I am if left to my own devices, I am a discovery writer. And the same way, like you said, it's a lot of thrown out work like it was yes. taking forever to get anything done, you know, and it's yeah, it's interesting, but it's also hard to like it takes you forever. To, you know, it's hard to meet deadlines. And so it's like, OK, I need to get more organized about this and it actually helped to be plotting with other people because I can I can somehow make up stories easier for other people because I guess I don't have to write it then so yeah. it's like oh okay I can write a little story and then it, I like tell you know come up with this plot with somebody and like oh great well okay you go off and write that so I've already basically told that story in my mind so I don't have to do it now that's great you know yeah, somebody come no. over here and fix my story. <laughs> <laughs> but like when it's your own work, you're like, oh, OK, so what am I going to do? <laughs> so what am I going to do? Yeah. And and I I think that's one of our issues, too, as creatives. We want to do something new. And right. so 
a lot of times we can fool ourselves into thinking that's been done before. I got to do something new when realistically it's all been done before. Mm-hmm. We just need to find a twist. And what you can yeah. do is find a trope, put it together or twist them. But mm-hmm. I keep saying twisting. So like, I'm a pretty linear thinker. So how, for anyone else, how would you twist a trope? So like, let's take a trope yeah. and see if you can figure out a, a, a way that you see, I don't know, you can choose. Well, um, the, what you I, I don't, when we had talked last week, I didn't know if you heard um, the one example that I thought that's kind of easy just to, to start out with, because everybody knows about it, is the idea of the virgin trope and okay. the, the movie, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, I think was a great, great. twist on that. Because I'm just like, how could you, you know, I'd think like, how could you do another twist on the virgin trope? You'd think like, oh my gosh, it's been done everywhere and everything. And then they actually super smart though. to like come up with a new way to do it. Oh, it's a guy. And it's actually about an emotional connection. It's not just about, you know, sexual activity. And and he really explores that. And so I was like, that's why I was like, oh, Hollywood has been like really quick to figure out. I think how to use tropes to get audiences more so than authors who maybe because we feel like we have more time with pages as opposed to like, you know, an hour and a half. Got a deadline. Yeah. Well, it might it might be there's more than one writer usually too. So that That's I think true. like you've said, yes. you help you help writers plot yeah. out. Right. It's that brainstorming where you're mm-hmm. like, well, okay, yes, but whose baby is it? As the right. if they're that <laughs> right, right, yeah, There's I think so. they gave up, yeah. Because a lot of times, even with like helping somebody, it's just having this like energy exchange that mm. people feel more like free to like, oh, you know, they'll, you know, they, I'd suggest something and they're like, yeah, but it triggers some other thing. And that's really the really helpful thing because that's really their idea. They're invested in it. It's their idea. It's how they saw the character, but they just kind of had to dig down a little more. Right. So, um, so anyway, that, that was just kind of, I guess, the easiest way of, I think, of how to twist a trope is to just kind of think of that um, movie in terms of everybody knows what it is, but yet it's like a different way of presenting it of like, oh, well, you know, now I'm kind of interested. What is that? You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but it's used in, I mean, it can be used in all different tropes can be used in all different ways of, like we talk about in all different genres. It's just kind of how you want to twist it. Okay. So as you talk about genres, you have one book, that's sort of the overarching, you know, how we're going to use tropes. But now you've come out with books as like the trope thesaurus for romance, the trope thesaurus for horror. And then is sci-fi out yet? No, fantasy sci-fi is the one I'm doing the Kickstarter for now. Okay. Okay. So we'll have links to that as well. So what what is the difference between difference. these? Do we all yeah. use the same tropes or are there specific tropes you can only use? Um, how have you found, found yeah. that in your research? Yeah. Um, so, well, the first thing, the first book was just kind of me kind of figuring out in general the whole thing. And each book is is different because I've kind of learned different things along the way. Mm-hmm. And so um, in the first and then the first book, I talk about romance, mystery, and then I do some sci fi fantasy in there and um, mystery slash thr- thriller. So I tried to get like the big genre tropes. Right. And then um, people had asked me like, oh, you didn't put horror in there. And I was like, I know that much about horror. And so then I was like. But I wonder what what that would be like. So then I kind of like fell down that rabbit hole. (laughs) And but the interesting thing that I learned about horror, which I didn't know, was that that was what really helped me see that tropes are relationships, because I just kind of assumed horror is like slasher stuff. And but there's actually so much more going on in it. It can be that. But even um, but even at that level, it's it's really doesn't turn it turn out to be a random person it's a hidden identity slash disguise of someone they know so and it was like oh well of course that makes more sense because really what's more terrifying like this monster that randomly like attacks you off the street or like this dear deep friend you have who knows all these things about you who's secretly like terrorizing you and you don't know like that's actually more terrifying you know so that was just really interesting for me to like do a bunch of reading and watch a bunch of things to see oh it's the terror is actually of horror is the really those relationships and then um with romance it was just people were i was romance i realized oh there's all these subgenres of romance that actually have different like reader expectations so like we all know like oh yeah definitely a sweet romance is different than like a paranormal and 
unless you're just going to, you know, and you can merge them together. But what are what are readers looking for in those different ways? And especially if you're going to merge them, you need to know that. Because the last thing we want is an unhappy romance reader, because then they always seem so motivated to leave a review. <laughs> you must be a romance writer. <laughs> <laughs> they love That's your book. Weird. They're like, oh, I love your book. And if they hate your book, they're like, oh, they're getting a review, you know. <laughs> Terrible book. Yes. yes. Yeah. And usually when you're, it's interesting when when you read the reviews, I mean, some of them are just silly, yeah. like, right. like the spine is broken. It's like, well, that's not my <laughs> fault, you know? Yeah. But some of them yeah. are is the expectations. And so right. when you're using the trope thesaurus, what I what what also caught my attention last week when Russell um was interviewing you, it's like using it in the book blurb. And I mm-hmm. think the book blurb can really a, everyone hates them to yes. write them. That right. could, This can help you. And it can also help you avoid writing the wrong trope into mm-hmm. the book. Right. So you might have, so you went on about how you love twins um, and right. twin stories. So maybe you wrote a book about twins, but maybe you didn't switch their identities. Maybe you use right. no like real tropes. <laughs> they just happen to be twins. Right. Which Monica was like, why would you do this? But right. hey, it happens. Right. You know, sometimes right. we don't. Yes. Don't really talk to I like them that. About that right? right right then just make them then they're there's like siblings right but yeah right you know because when I hear yeah when I hear twin I'm always like yeah there better be some identity swapping like we talked about and that interview or mistaken identity I mean like that's the whole purpose otherwise why bother you know why why be identical <laughs> yeah exactly so um yeah so it, I think and I there are lots of people and like we had talked about this before there's there's some really good examples of how people are using um, tropes in their blurbs. And I think it can help writers because it's such a different business, the blurb writing from the book writing. And, and so it can kind of help you like focus a little bit on on what do I need to communicate as opposed to telling us like all the things because, you know, then like the reader's eyes glaze over and we're just kind of like, that's really what tropes are for is to like hook a, hook a reader and then, like, make them want to know more. And that's the same purpose of a blurb. So okay. to kind of use them. And that's why they, they do work well together in that way. Okay. So you, you even mentioned that there are some authors writing different blurbs, depending on which readers they want to hook, which I hadn't heard of. Oh, um, I think that was, I, that was either Russell or Monica who said that. But, Somebody said um, it. But that, yeah, that's an interesting it. idea. But, but is, it? it is really interesting. And it, it kind of makes sense. Um, you know, but I hadn't I hadn't thought about that before. But if you have a book that's like, say, if you did like write a sweet paranormal, um, sweet paranormal, like cozy, then, yeah, you would probably do. You could do some different one that emphasizes the mystery more, one that emphasizes, you know, the the slow um, relationship development or the the kind of community aspect of it. And so or, and one, obviously, that's going to talk about the paranormal element. So I was like, oh, yeah, that that is interesting. Yeah, it, it it somehow it when you break it down to the tropes that you want the reader to see, at least for me, I was like, oh, that just sounds easier. <laughs> I'm just gonna say yeah. it like that, and it's interesting because I had just put a book a blurb up to see <gasps> if it would catch, and it was catching very little. So I was like, clearly this blurb is not good, you know. Right. Um. So it's like, okay, back to the drawing board. But then I saw you talk, and I was like, ooh. I know when I have to when I have to pull out of this because yeah. um, it is like little like red red flags, but in a good way mm-hmm. for readers because they're like oh you know like I I can relate to that. There's something in you and we just have so many competing things for our attention that anything we can do to kind of get somebody to slow down and take a closer look is great. Right, right. So when you're breaking down these um, storylines in these books, is I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you do a ton in the romance. I haven't gotten the horror, mm-hmm. which I might do, even though I don't read or write it. But hey, you know, <laughs> you can always learn something. There's a lot of tropes. Like, they're yes. all highlighted. I know. Right? Yes. Yeah. So it would, do it was a surprise to me. Do understand I've... all of these? Um. Well, I think the important thing to realize is they're used to different degrees. Okay. Like, you know, so it's not like... um. So you might use a little bit of like the age gap when it's really an enemies to lovers story. But, oh, they 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 do also happen to have an age, you know, so but I 
I do think the great thing about showing that all those are in there is that there are all ways that you can um, generate conflict without having to have like, you know, explosion, 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 especially if you're doing like romance or something like contemporary romance or, or like romantic comedy or things that you don't have a lot of action, then you really need to like, how are you going to have all this interpersonal conflict? Like, what are ways that you're going to be able to okay. do that? So, so then, that's what, how, how do you do that? How do you see that yeah. with the, with the tropes? So, so how I would um, use it with the, with the tropes is like taking um, and using little bits of them in different places. So like, say, um, is there any like book or well, it's hard to use books because we all read so many different things, but is there like a particular um, like romance movie you like or something? Oh is- gosh, now you put me on the side. Well, I just watched <laughs> In Her Shoes. Have you ever watched that? It's 2005. Yeah. Sorry. Mm. Sorry. So it's like it's siblings, okay. sisters, right? Yes. Oh, it's good. Ugly duckling. I yes. analyzed it. That's, yes. that's great. Uh, so there's, oh, let's think of a romance. What about Love Actually? Have you seen that? That's yes. Like- I don't tend to think of it as a romance um, just because. It's a simple romance. But it's, yeah, it has some romance. I mean, because it doesn't. Like some of it ends satisfyingly, and you know some of it some doesn't. Of it does. That's true. Yeah. So let's cut. But, let's put a pin for a second in yeah. something like that with a huge character. Yeah. Cast. Yes. Does each one follow a main trope? Do you think? Have you? Well, seen I that? think I think there's a bunch of different interesting tropes in there. So like like the thing that the one that sticks with me the most of that is the one with um, Emma Thompson and yeah. Alan Rickman and the. Um, the tri- love triangle triangle yes yeah. with his well, i guess she was office assistant or something and i guess that's why i don't think of it as a um as a romance because right you know like, that's kind of oh left in the air yeah like <laughs> he's such a dick you know <laughs> he's buying the present for yes his worker when you really feel like oh he's gonna be nice to his wife right Right. Who does that to Emma Thompson? I mean, right. Which is, a, but that is like a great example of a red herring, right? Because oh, okay. when we see that scene, we think, oh, he's gonna, he's doing this, you know, we're like, yay, I'm gonna pull it out. You know, it's gonna be okay. And then you're, and then, yeah, when she opens that and it's just, you know, it's not that. Cause that was when he gives her like the Joni Mitchell um, tapes or something like that instead. And so she knows that it's gone elsewhere. Um, so I think that's a great exam- example of like how a romance uses that red red herring slash misdirection trope because right, it creates right, right. some tension without it being like, you know, like, well, oh, some explosion or something or, or you know, big kidnapping. Yeah, that is you know. true, though. That's true. Yeah. So you but have it, love triangle there and then you have the red herring there and then, yeah. Yeah. And then that one is kind of in the red herring. And then I was just thinking about that one is kind of like there's there's the that you know second chance you seem like it seems like mm-hmm. there's going to be a second chance reunion and you know they kind of stay to, and stay together in the end but doesn't he like come back from a trip and and he, she like turns her cheek for him and he kisses like it's very yeah. kind of you get this impression that it's like okay it's it's not what it could have been it might not work it was, it, yeah it could go either way <laughs> right right exactly kind of like the audience can choose i guess right um, right but well, those but those are like, um, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just no, was, I was just thinking of like, those are ways that um, little bits of tropes are used in that storyline. Because it's like, you know, it's not like his whole, um, the whole storyline between those, that married couple is about red herrings. But it is just kind of like an interesting little way that they used it in there. So if you you read it and you see that, you'd be like, oh, there's a red herring in there. It's not like it's a, you know, a big mystery like the. Agatha Christie ones that are all over the place now or things like that, which are like literally made of those that are, you know, created with all those in place. But it's just like little ways to keep the conflict going. And so um, that was just that was just kind of one of them that I was thinking the storyline in that. And then um, the one with Colin Firth and his the woman cheating on Colin Firth with his brother. Right? Is that is that in Love Actually? Is that the one where he wasn't? Doesn't he have a girlfriend? He in and she says, "Oh, she's sick." So he goes to a wed or he goes to a funeral. That's true. Oh my god! And terrible! It's like such a sad Christmas 
I don't, that's why I'm not a huge fan of it as like, a, I don't really think of it as a romance, like the, you know, um, but it has, you know, I would say it's, it, there's kind of, it's definitely love story and there are some, you know, romantic elements in it, but it, it's not like a thing you'd put on Hallmark anymore. Right. <laughs> well, going with Colin Firth, what about yeah. Bridget Jones? That's a retelling of. Oh, Bridget yeah. Right? I so. love that one. Yes. Yes. Tons of, of cool. um of, there's tons of cool tropes in that. Well, first of all, they do a really good job of setting up the kind of enemies thing because, you know, he, like with Pr- Pride and Prejudice, he insults her like right off um, at the, if we're talking about um, Bridget Jones at their Christmas Christmas um, thing with the families. Um, and then there's definitely across the tracks because they're, even though the, the parents are friends, they kind of show that they're from different, he's very learned and Bridget is not. Yeah, <laughs> this kind of lets it all hang out. I think it, it, there's definitely, obviously, that love triangle element with um, her and the, and Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant, Daniel okay. Cleaver. I love the last name Cleaver for him. is so great too because he's just so you know such a bad boy, and which is another trope. And he's also like her boss, right? right. And he's totally the alpha of yes kind of thing because he's just. I hadn't even realized. Um, when it came out a long time ago, I was talking about it with um, a babysitter who'd come to watch. So my husband, we were, she and I were talking about it. And um, she said, I love that scene where he's getting off the elevator and he's looking from side to side. And I was like, oh, I hadn't even thought about that. But it was like such an interesting thing of like picked up on it. Of like he's kind of getting off and he's like this, like kind of like searching for prey. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, and that's basically kind of relates back to that whole alpha hole trope, you right, know. Right. Doing he's got, you know, several women going at one time and um so him and Bridget and um and then that there's just a really a lot of great tropes that they pack in like so he and um he and Darcy have a history together as we know they were former friends and then he slept with his wife and um and then, you know, they have this rivalry that's reinstated with when they both are interested in Bridget. And um, she and I think it was interesting that she and um, the mother says early on, oh, you when she's telling her mother's telling him, her about Darcy, she says, well, you live right around the corner from each other. And it was like, oh, so they're like establishing like forced proximity, you know, kind of like because, you know, so there's a lot of like little ways that tropes are embedded in there without it being um, the enemies to lovers. One is like the big, the big okay. one. But there's lots of little ones that are filtered in through the whole thing. OK, I think which is which, which is based on Pride and Prejudice, which is, you know, of course, packed with the same kind of awesome tropes, which is why it's so popular. Timeless. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it is. So, you know, so many years later. But that's kind of like I didn't want people to be like overwhelmed, but I want them to see like, oh, there's there are so many different things you can do with tropes and you can use them a little bit or a lot. You know, you don't have to like um, everything doesn't have to be the same level of of that, of a trope. Right. So how how have you used them? How has it changed Mm -hmm. since you've studied these? How has it changed Mm -hmm. your writing or how you help writers? um, Yeah. Plot out their story. Yeah. Um, I definitely it helps me think about what are the connections between the characters and how can we make them like even more so. Okay. Uh, one of the, I don't know if you, you have it on your, your um, craft shelf, but um, one of the things I really liked was um, Donald Moss has a book about writing, um, write, writing the breakout novel. Mm-hmm. And in there he, he had a really cool exercise, which I didn't really understand till I was working on this trope book. And then it made more sense where he was saying like, you know, you have all your characters in your book and they're doing different things, but think of ways that you combine, can combine those characters. So instead of having like three best friends, she could just have two best friends because not all the things they need to do need to be different people. And when you mm-hmm. concentrate them down like that, it gives it more conflict and storytelling power. And okay. that was what helped me figure like, oh yeah, that's what tropes are doing. They're like tightening the connections between the characters. And so that's really helped me a lot because like when I'm looking at something and I'll be like, okay, yeah, that's interesting, but how can I make it more, you know? Okay. So when you say it's tightening, do you mean like, because we understand them 
intuitively we don't have to do as much um, um it's like kind of let, let's see if we talk about um if we t- if we go back to like Bridget Jones diary maybe we could think about how like okay so she likes um you know she has this crush on Daniel Cleaver but he's also her boss and so against her better judgment and because she doesn't care and because he's so you know incredibly attractive um she gets in a relationship with him and then um that doesn't end well. And so when she's interviewing, at one point she says, you know, I need this job. When she decides to tell the truth, she says, well, I really need this job because I've shagged my boss. And <laughs> so the kind of portly man who's like very middle-aged, you know, not looking like Daniel Cleaver behind the desk says, well, that's not a problem. You know, we don't have a problem with that here. And um, But it was kind of like, oh, if it was just, you know, if if Daniel Cleaver was just like a guy she met at a bar as opposed to like her boss, and um, that would make it less fraught with tensions. And then, oh, not only is it a guy who's her boss, but it's like Darcy's former best friend. And, you know, so th- those kind of things made it more conflict filled. Right. And it makes it a little bit more believable then, because right. we, we can get manuscripts back where the editor says something like, um, flesh it out. Yeah, exactly like, right. What does that right. mean? Or add right. more conflict? Or like, why are why do they care about this? And right. you know, like as a a new writer, or if you're just struggling yeah. with the story, you're like, I don't know. I just know. Yes, yes. that I need her to move jobs. Yes, right. And I think I found that tropes are helpful in building the character because I like, okay. although I like see hear dialogue, um, kind of like in my head when I start to see a character, then it's like you need to know more about them. And so then it's like, well, what is their family situation? Like, what kind of job do they have? And not even just like, what kind of job do they have? But where are they in that? Are they like experienced? Are they inexperienced? Are they, you know, going to lose their job? Are they like going to get moved? Like when you start to really delve into the details, there are a lot more um, things that we can be mining in the story world. Okay. Just off that basic idea of like everybody, you know, it's very common for like cozy mysteries um, or even in romance for a while. I don't know. I don't see it as much now, but for a while, everybody was inheriting a bakery, yes. you know, That's true. <laughs> and you'd just be like, some stories did that better than others in terms mm-hmm. of some of them just used it as like a set piece of the location. But then some would be like, oh, well, they inherited this bakery, but it's next door to like a rival bakery who happens to be owned by this super hunky guy. And, you know, who they've maybe was she had a relationship with in high school and they had a misunderstanding, you know, like so there's all these different ways that that you can like keep kind of tying it back or or like tying. I guess I kind of think about it like. Almost like looping around and and tightening a circle. Yes, like bringing that seam together. Yeah, yeah, right, right. right. See, that's really interesting because the, I think the way that we think about stories sometimes we can like drive our, our our heads will explode. Yes, so, like yes. I have these characters and I know that I want conflict. I like because right. in the end, that's a story. Like right. I argued right. with an with a writer the other day, which we you shouldn't. I was like, no, you really do need conflict, and she's like, no. You don't, you know, like, okay, whatever. I I have to say, I agree. If you don't have conflict, it's just, I mean, it doesn't have to be explosion conflict, like we talked, but you do have to have conflict. Otherwise, it's like a speech, you know? Yes. It's not, it's, it's probably the reason why we put down certain books. Mm -hmm. We say like, why? So my mother read a book. She loves to call me and tell me um, the books that she's like, (laughs) My mom the same thing. They're the only ones that we could talk. They're like, why would the author do this? And a lot of what, a lot that she's frustrated with, I think, is like what you just said. They will use a bakery, you know, or mm-hmm. anything. World War II as a setting. Yeah. Like World War II is huge in the last two years. But there were right. some who used it as a setting mm-hmm. and then some who used it as like to create that whole conflict and bringing in all the mm-hmm. different tropes. And I think that's when people say layer your story. And you're like, what does that mean? <laughs> right. Right. Yes, I agree. That's true. Because I, I feel that way about World War II stuff because my mother does love those two. And I was like, I I can't read. Like, I just don't. I, I don't feel like there's, you know, for me, anything else that can be said about that. That's interesting. But 
clearly there's a whole demographic that loves that. So it's just kind of like, okay, you have to find out what that is in, in different ways. And, um, you know, it can be like, like there's, I think one way that it's done that when we talk about twisting a trope is like, it seemed like there was a lot more female spy stories for World War II that I was hearing about. And I was like, right. oh, so that's kind of a way to make it more interesting. It doesn't have to just be men who are spies. We can have women who are spies. So yeah. that's a, a way to, to make it more interesting. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I think, another way to layer the the characters. Because I always struggle with, like, people be like, oh, well, what's in the refrigerator? And that, like, never helps me. Yeah. Like, my characters are what kind of clothes they're wearing. I need to know, like, who they are more as people before I can see those, like, external things. Yes. Yes. And and I think you we could go back to Bridget Jones' diary. Like, there's a ton of ways to write a story, right? So mm -hmm. they, the writer could have used even more conflict with their friends. So like with Devil Wears Prada, there's that scene where she's with her friends and they all reject her. So there's, you know, you're adding even more conflict to her most stressful situation. Like so stressed out, she's not eating anymore, you know? Right. And then on top of that, it's like her, her, her friends are like, peace out, we're done. So like if the friends weren't there, if they hadn't established that relationship in the beginning, you wouldn't have that. Or if you're stuck, you, you know, in the middle as we yeah. tend to go yes how can you add an even more miserable <laughs> right character right. for them to finally wake up right and decide right. that there are certain things that need to be done right and i think the the weird thing about our our world is some of it writing can be very intuitive mm -hmm. it can be learned but mm -hmm. like all of these writing books miss on something you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, right. so, oh, yeah. So as you said, with the some people say open the refrigerator, like, I don't know what that means. So <laughs> next, yeah. Next. Yeah. and some people always do, you know, the, oh, that's really helpful for them. But it's like for a long time, I would like try that and it just didn't help me. And I would get like super frustrated, you know, right. and I was like, but then it would help me more if I could kind of think of like, um, like what, like one thing I like about tropes is like that. Oh, obviously, I like secrets. So like there, I think it's true that like if. You know, every character, every significant character can have a secret. And that really helped me like, oh, like, what do they not want to get out about them or an experience they had? Or and it doesn't have to be, it, you know, depending on your genre, it doesn't even have to be a really like deep, dark thing. But it could just be something that's embarrassing or that they would rather forget or something like that. But the the act of them protecting that, like, gives so much more like me an idea of who that character is and like potential story conflict that I was like oh that's why I heard people say that but I didn't get why right. it was as useful as it is yeah yeah and that that's kind of what I feel like with your book so I'm 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 excited that we could talk today because I know people talk about tropes especially on TikTok <laughs> and mm -hmm. especially in the romance but I do think there's a very short list of tropes out on social media mm -hmm. of you know, because there might be the most like viewed maybe or right. or the ones yeah. that maybe have sure. become cliched because they've been written incorrectly mm -hmm. too many times. But your list is huge. Mm -hmm. Your list is very, very long. And so it, it really helps me be like, okay. <laughs> yeah, because it, it does seem like in romance, like we we always hear about like enemies to lovers is like we always hear about that one or right, friends right. to lovers or forbidden or love and, and those are best really, friends brother <laughs> yes yeah and those are really important but there's also like so many others it's yeah. not just those you know so yeah. just to kind of yeah that's like the the main one right like but that will only get you so far because i feel like that's that's the easy part almost like when you see the scene or you see the dialogue you hear it mm -hmm. and you see the character and kind of how they are. But as you've been saying, you have to dig in and find those different layers. So like enemies to lovers, okay, but mm -hmm. making him your boss, mm -hmm. you know, and then having the other guy come in and the love triangle, that's what really starts building out that story, mm -hmm. right? More than right. just like, oh, they hate each other. Well, then right. how are how are they going to get to love each other? Right. And that was kind of like one thing that I've been experimenting with is like how you take a trope and like actually show it through an a, show it through a story so i was like experimenting with these like 
five steps to do that. So if like if we thought about if we talk more about or go back to um like Bridget Jones diary, it's like, so okay, with enemies to lovers, we know it, we we see that they right away we see that in that first mm. scene with them. So it's like told to, telling us as viewers and readers or whatever, here it is, this is going to be in here somewhere, be aware of it. And so like, okay, I I like that. So I set up a little bit. And then we see how she develops it. Um like, so that was what I kind of call, like, uh, I'm trying to remember what I talked, what I actually termed it now since I, that was like showing what it is. And then I, the second stage I think of is like showtime, um, which is like where you're going to see in multiple scenes through the book of how that is. And so okay. we see different ways that, that her irritation with him just keeps increasing. And that, you know, she thinks he thinks she's stupid and all this kind of like, it's just kind of building. And then there's that scene. Um, where they, oh, it's such a great scene where they're, she goes to her friend's house for dinner and I think she's just broken up with Cleaver or some, or he doesn't or something. And she's the only one who's there, not in a couple. And they go around the table and they're all sitting down and they all introduce each other. They all are introduced and it's just like nauseating because they're just so like, everybody's so self-satisfied. So horrible. Yeah. They're like, oh, and, you know, just, uh. and then they say, um, you know, and so somebody asks her, oh, well, you know, how come there's so, you know, why are there so many single women? And then she says the thing about like, oh, it's because I think because we have scales under our clothing, which is like such a great comment. But as she leaves and she's all frustrated, he comes down the stairs and she's like, oh, like, I don't hear about it. You know, I've uh, oh, I think that was when she had her her infamous first scene where yeah. where the camera went up her butt kind of or when she saw her stockings and her fanny on TV. Yeah. And she says, you know, I've been quite humiliated enough today. And he says and he says, well, I like you just the way you are. Right. Yeah. And then it's like a turning point because she's like this. And they're 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 about to have a moment. And his current girlfriend comes and right. calls him back. And so then you're like, oh, OK, so you're kind of hoping things would, you know, you're obviously hoping things would change between them and you start to see, but then it's like, oh, this very present, very determined other woman is with him. And so then you just kind of, that's like a turning point. And then you just see how, um, how she starts to rethink things with him. And then she makes that horrible, um, horrible um, speech at his parents' Ruby wedding anniversary. And when the woman makes it seem like they're going to get married, um, and then you're like, oh, all is lost because yeah. now she realized that she likes him and she realized he did like her at one point, but now it took her so long to figure that out. Um, and then, then of course, then there's the end. So it's like, I feel like it's kind of a way to see how that trope was played out as opposed to just say enemies to lovers, but then how do you actually move it along? Right. Right. So it was kind of like the five, these five kind of steps, which I haven't explained yeah particularly but well i i also like your your idea for a secret too because a secret i would say for bridget jones would be like she really doesn't want to be seen as the less educated right. girl from the other side of the tracks which is like a trope but like that's right. kind of what she's guarding like she, mm -hmm. she changes for cleaver mm -hmm. like he gets yes. to mold her how you know and then yes. when he says i like you just so being able to like see what she's guarding and then the tropes and then saying, well, clearly now I need a scene in which he hints at the fact that she is perfect the way she is. Mm -hmm. Now, how do I move that and where does it go? I mean, that's up to you, dear writer. You have to figure that right. out. Which right. is fun, right? We got to go back to making this fun. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So there's different, and you get to make those like little kind of choices. And, and, you know, we, we get, it's not like it's a shock to us when he says that, because before that, we see this scene where when she's with Cleaver at the, at the, um, the Tarts and Vickers party. And yes. remember, they're, they're in the boats and he's kind of rowing the very um, serious girlfriend. And she's talking about some legal thing. And she's, and he, he looks over at Bridget Longingly, who's like laughing and they're splashing Cleaver. And, you know, just that expression on his face, you're like, oh, he really does like her, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And putting those hints in there. So, yeah. I love it. I'm going to have to go watch that movie again. <laughs> it's so good. And I just felt like so disappointed in the second movie because I felt like it didn't bring anything new to the table. It just mm. kind of tried to retread what was so well done the first time. Which I, we can avoid if we get your trope book and we make sure that we choose a different trope. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, because it just kind of did all like even the same. There were a lot of just even the same scenes, like the fight scene, which was so well done in the first one of those two guys. You know, that was just such a great kind of, oh, he is kind of an alpha male. And oh, you know, like, oh, you know, right. this. Right. Um, but and then when they did in the second one, I was like, really? Yeah. But see, laziness is on both sides. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they think it's going to be everywhere. Money, right. Yes. And then. Right. Mm, you want yes. you want people to read through your series, writers. So you right. want to make sure that you get a new trope, right? For <laughs> at least a new main one. We yeah. are definitely going to use the same ones over and over. But it's interesting because um, before we go, like I am working out a series. I'm trying to specifically know which what is going to happen in each book. And uh -huh. it's funny because I think you know it's like when you name a character a certain name your brain keeps thinking of that name and it just appears everywhere in your writing. Yes, You're like, yes. why is everyone named David? Right. <laughs> yeah. There's other names. Yes. Like it was the same trope. That, I was like, I've already done that one. I need you to move out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. Go this way. Okay. Now I can go to your book and just say like, okay, how about I try that one? Yeah. Okay. I can think it through before I start writing. I'm like, okay, maybe it won't will work maybe it won't and you can combine them in different you know in combining them in different ways it doesn't have yeah. to be you know you can still use like the main tropes but but just combining them in different ways gives you really different stories yes exactly i love that so you have the trope thesaurus the romance mm -hmm. and then the horror and now it, the sci-fi and fantasy is coming out do you have any thoughts on bringing out other genres um Yes, I've been asked about doing a mystery thriller one, um, and I oh. that'll be next year. Okay. So, yeah. Interesting. All right. So we will keep an eye on those. Thank okay. you so much, Jennifer Hilt, for coming and talking to us about tropes. I hope Thank that this helped me. people <laughs> not not shy away from them anymore, right? <laughs> I, hope, I hope so. Yeah, I don't want people to be afraid of them or like, oh, it's too, you know, you're already using them. Just make them work for you because mm -hmm. we always can use more things that can help us tell better stories. Yes. As they talk about our writer's toolbox, this anything yes. to make it easier, right? Yes, They're exactly. Like, okay. yeah. I love it. Thank you so much. Oh, sure. Thank you.